So I'm Commander Dan Short, Short Bus, and I'm the uh, 53K Government Flight Test Director. And so I know the place is packed here this morning, right? So, but for the three people in here that don't know me, I'm a Navy HS pilot. So why is a Navy HS pilot running the Marines Heavy Lift Test Program? Because flight test is awesome and presents unique opportunities, right? We've got a chance to flight test everything that's in that uh, video, other than the presidential white top H3. Gotten a chance to flight test everything in that video. And uh, when the Marine Corps needed uh, someone to run their test program, they, for some reason, chose me. So I'm here to talk to you about the 53K, and that's what I want to discuss here. I welcome any questions that you have on it. I'm sure the, uh, some of the HM folks are going to have some questions. The, because of the developmental nature of the program, right, the left and right limits of what I can talk about up here are kind of set by the public release process. So if I can't answer your question up here, find me after, and I'll see if I can uh, get you the answer that way. Okay? Slide, please. So 53K, the, uh, the program is coming to the, to the Marine Corps, right? We have four developmental EDM engineering uh, development aircraft at Pax River now, and uh, th three more of the SDTA, which are the more fleet representative aircraft, uh, arriving uh, soon. One is uh, on its way back from Berlin, where it debuted in the uh, Berlin Air Show a few weeks ago. Uh, the milestone C is what is one of the programmatic things where they, they make the decision that the Marine Corps is actually going to buy the aircraft. So that happened last year, and the production will be starting before too long on the, the more production representative aircraft, right? Some of the things that we're doing here in the near-term future are today, like right now as we're talking, the first uh, real Marine Corps 53K is being delivered to, to New River by two Marine test pilots from HX-21. They flew it from the Sikorsky facility this morning in West Palm Beach, and they're going to land in, uh, in New River and give that aircraft to the Marine Corps. The other test articles that we, we have are still currently owned by Sikorsky, but we, we do the flight test on them, right? The, uh, the one that lands in New River will do that logistics demo there. So the Marines are going to rip that thing apart, right? They're the first time that the Marine maintainers really get a chance to get at that aircraft and, and take it apart, put it back together, and develop the IEDMs and things to get it ready for the fleet. Okay. We're going to hopefully, the plan now is to complete the developmental testing by the end of uh, 2019. That's a tall order. There's a lot of work still to do, but we're working hard at it. And then it'll go to initial operational uh, testing, right? So the Marines will really put it through the paces in a mission representative environment, and then it'll get out to the fleet, hopefully, uh, in the next few years. Next slide, please. So by the numbers, what do you really care about here, the bottom part? That how, how the K compares to the Echo, what it can do that the Echo wasn't able to do. And this, this is the real reason the Marine Corps is getting the K. And potentially, you know, there's, you heard last year at NHA, the uh, Airboss talk about the Navy was looking at the K. And so we'll, we'll see how that, those discussions go. Uh, the high, hot weight increase. Some Echo pilots will tell you, if you talk to them at the bar, they'll say, yeah, I don't know what all the, all the fuss is about the K. The Echo can lift a lot of that. But for the Echo to lift some of those things, you need the pilots to be uh, flying in their underwear with the low fuel lights on to be light enough to pick any of that stuff up, right? The K can, can uh, pick up those heavy loads and fly them for extended distances with the fuel you need to actually execute the mission, right? Okay. Slide. So greatly increased payload capability. It has three cargo hooks, right? So obviously, as 60 drivers, we're used to having the single point. Some of the bigger aircraft have dual point. The K has three cargo hooks, and that allows it to do single points are generally easier loads, right? For the, for the, for the right weight load, a single point is, is easier. But if you need something really big or awkward to fly correctly, they use the dual point. So that's what the three hook system allows you to do. There's also planned to be able to actually carry three independent loads on the three hooks. Uh, and we're going to be uh, looking at that in developmental testing here. Okay. 
So the, one of the challenges in developing the K is that it is the same footprint as the Echo. So you've got to be able to get something that can lift a lot more and carry it further without making the airframe bigger and without making the rotor disc bigger. That's a, that's a tall order, right? So the fourth generation rotor blades are, are what uh, help make that happen. Okay, totally composite airframe, kind of like the V-22. That's where aircraft are going these days, so, so not uh, an aluminum skin like, like we're used to with the, the H-60. Okay. Slide. What are we doing with the aircraft, right? So that we're taking the, the testing from the contractor facility down there in West Palm Beach, Florida, where, where Sikorsky built the aircraft and did some of the initial testing, up to Pax River. One of the things that we've been using for years down there in West Palm is this ground test vehicle. So that is a more or less a 53K that is bolted to the ground that you might think, well, okay, all you're going to do on that is do some ground turns. But they fly the GTV, and I've flown the, the uh, ground test vehicle down there to the point of, while it's bolted to the ground, pulling 130-something percent torque and putting the stick all the way forward to put a lot of loads on the rotor head, use it to uh, really rack up the hours, cycling some of the dynamic components to evaluate those for the long-term durability and the maintenance piece of it there, right? And it's a great buildup before we're going to do something in the aircraft that's really going to stress some particular part of the aircraft, uh, the drivetrain or the flight controls. We, we run it through the ground test vehicle. Then that ground test vehicle is going to get taken, taken apart. It's actually happening right now and sh sent out to California, and that's what's going to be used for the live fire testing, right? So we're going we're gonna to get the thing uh, out there running and then and put some rounds at it. The flight test vehicles that like we talked about, uh, these four EDMs are now at Pax River. We're about just about 900 hours into the uh, developmental test program there. It's got some pretty pretty impressive capabilities. The, the uh, 207 knots, it, it's true airspeed, right? So it's not really indicated, but just under 200 indicated is what we've been able to do. And I, I mean, I've flown at 171 knots uh, level, and uh, and it really is a smooth flying aircraft under those conditions. 40 knots sideward and rearward for big aircraft, but here are the external loads. 36,000 pounds, we've routinely picked up 27,000 pounds, taking it to 145 knots, right? So that's what the aircraft designed to do, and it, it, it is uh, doing that. We're continuing the envelope expansion now, so largely what we've done in the test program this far is, is kind of the, the heart of the envelope, right? The medium gross weights at the center CGs, and now it's, we're getting to the expanded gross weights and moving the uh, CG around in the envelope expansion, okay? Uh, slide, please. So auto jettison capability, the aircraft has this unique uh, auto jettison. So like the, for the Echo drivers out there with the, uh, the dual cargo hooks, it, when it senses a, a loss of the, the load there, right? In the Echo, if you're flying along with the load and it has a, the weight on two hooks and you, maybe you hit some turbulence or whatever, and one of the hooks gets light, the aircraft thinks, oh boy, you've lost the load, and it automatically releases the other hook, right? Because you don't want to have a, a weight that you decided you needed two cargo hooks for, uh, only hanging on one and putting your CG out of limits and then ripping the uh, cargo hook out of the aircraft and, da and damaging aircraft and potentially putting you out of control flight. So the K has a unique system with this, this auto jettison feature that uh, it, it does a better job of sensing if you've lost a load, but then it also makes a decision, right? So if you're flying along with a load on the two, the two cargo hooks, and I'm, I'm going to show you a video of this in a second, uh, it makes the decision whether if one cargo hook fails, whether it can keep the load or not. And it calculates that kind of real time based on the load that it's feeling on the other hook and decides, yes, I can hang on to that thing with, 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 uh, with, one, with only one hook on it and let you bring the load back safely or, uh, or no, I'm going to get rid of it for you. And the pilot always has the, cho the choice to uh, override that. 
right? We did this uh, joint light tactical vehicle lift, which is pretty uh, mission representative and it's a pretty heavy vehicle. So we'll show you that clip in a second here. And we've uh, loaded the thing on a C-17 recently to get to Berlin to, get to go fly the Berlin air show, okay? So dual point envelope expansion. This is uh, one of those loads that we talked about earlier, the 27,000 pound go going out to uh, 145 knots in forward flight. So a lot of what we do at Pax River now involves uh, pretty darn heavy external load, stuff that weighs more than the H-60 that uh, a lot of us are used to flying. Okay, slide. So this is the joint light tactical vehicle lift. If you could play it, please, thank you. There's nothing light Today, about the joint light tactical vehicle. we demonstrated the capability of the CH-53K, the Marine Corps' new heavy lift helicopter. It's to lift up one of our joint programs with one of the heaviest vehicles out there, the JLTV. Uh, we're starting to get away from Humvees, especially going to IED environments. We want bigger vehicles that are higher off the ground. So having uh, the JLTV replace the Humvees eventually, being able to lift those and externally uh, insert them is a, a big deal. So this vehicle is on average between 16 and 22,000 pounds so in order to get that into in theater or in other places where trucks or boats cannot get into the aircraft will be able to take it in and put it in tactical small combined area landings uh, from my personal experience just as equipment gets heavier and heavier and you know, we need more and more lift to actually get everything where we need it in order to do this today we had um, HST which is helicopter support team come up from North Carolina uh, we had the vehicle come from the Army, so it's currently in test, so they were able to lend us an asset, which is huge. We have the CH-53K, which is also under test, so that was a test asset that we had to get together in flight, get in the flight schedule, which is a big process as well. They're able to hook up, pick up, put in a hover, and all of this work that took several days together took a few minutes to execute once it was here. Uh, it was a successful integration of the Marine Corps into the new helicopter's uh, lift procedures. It's the first time the CH-53K lifted anything tactical. Before that, we've just been lifting concrete blocks. Very stable, very controlled. A great deal of effort from our engineers, from the cargo lab, and from pilots and air crew to coordinate everything. So getting it to be able to cross-train with different branches and be able to lift these vehicles is a really cool uh, opportunity. The aircraft that was, that was exciting for us was the, how stable of a platform it was. Usually the hook that's underneath it is swinging around and it's, it could be um, a safety issue. But with this new ability that's it performed is excellent for us. So the 53 kilo has been in testing for years and getting to actually see it firsthand and uh, the difference in between the kilo and the echo is awesome. It's so much smoother, the handling's awesome, the, the hook doesn't move around. So it makes our job a lot easier. This one, please. This is a 36,000-pound external lift. So it doesn't look like much because it's a bunch of steel blocks, but that's the equivalent like that JLTV lift. 
Like we said, there's nothing light about the joint light tactical vehicle. That vehicle is about 19,000 pounds, so two of those vehicles is about this amount of weight, and that's the intent is for the uh, K to be able to carry two of those vehicles together, which is where we're going in the, in the testing. Same weight as this. That's all on, uh, on one hook, right? 36,000 pounds on one hook. So the C-17, uh, it's not a small feat to get a uh, 53K with the size of it into a C-17. So that's a couple of our uh, test points is to make sure it's ready for air transportability to move around the globe to respond to whatever we need it to do. So uh, uh, we were able to do that coincident with it going to the Berlin uh, air show to fly there. So we'll break the aircraft down. Requires taking off the uh, rotor head, taking the blades off, taking the... Uh, what they call the, the QCA out of it, and you can see the aircraft's pretty broken down here, tail, tails off, uh, basically the main transmission and the, and the rotor blades are out, and then uh, bring the aircraft uh, into the C-17, which takes a lot of tender love and care to get it in there correctly with, uh, with, some, with some help, but it certainly got in and out of there just fine. The aircraft has a kneeling actuator, so the Echo used to have to do a lot of strut servicing to get it up and down the, uh, the, the ramp here correctly uh, without it kind of what they call high centering, which is basically getting stuck here, and uh, the aircraft now has a uh, kneeling actuator, so you can very easily adjust that height and then bring the aircraft in and out of the uh, C-17. We'll be doing the C-5 load here uh, pretty soon, a couple weeks. Slide, please. <coughs> Airwake survey, so you can push play on this, please. So fly-by-wire aircraft, all the inputs to the flight controls, have our, uh, air, airspeed is a very critical input there, and those are airspeeds. Uh, get voted on by the computers and, and make some pretty significant feedback to the flight control. So we had some concerns we might have uh, some issues behind the tanker, so we want to go check that out. So this is good, taking the 53K behind the tanker for the uh, first time. It's not actually going to plug, but the whole point of us being here for this test is to uh, to see what the wake coming off the, the tanker and the uh, the drogue does to the pitot tubes that are on the aircraft over in this area. And uh, a lot of coordination to make this happen including getting a, uh, a reserve tanker unit to, to bring the uh, tanker down to us. And then we had to do some dr uh, dry plugs in the Echo to get ready, so we had brought some 53 Echoes in to, uh, to get ready to do that. Okay, that's good. So one of the, uh, some of the next major things that are going to happen, you saw in that video the 12,000-pound load was picked up and flown 110 miles. That's a big stepping stone on the way to doing that with the 27,000-pound load, being able to pick that up, take it 110 miles, uh, drop the load, and then bring the aircraft uh, uh, back and so we'll be doing that pretty soon here. Um, and slide, please. So we're going to continue to do the uh, some of the main things we're, we're doing in the upcoming time is continue to do the performance development and the uh, continue to develop the flight controls for the fleet mission. Next, please. And so this summer we're doing some offsite detachments. We're going to go out to uh, Gunnison, Colorado, and put the aircraft in the high altitude. Uh, testing so we can really see what it does under the high density altitude conditions. So we'll put it um, where we can get high high uh, altitude with like MSL and DA and PA, but at a low AGL altitude so we can uh, ring out the performance under those conditions, right, and get uh, the charts that you'll need to fly the aircraft operationally. And then we're going to Yuma, Arizona this summer to put the aircraft through uh, brownout testing uh, and you know, the reduced visibility part. The K as a fly-by-wire aircraft has a lot of features that help us out, right? So like in the 60, we're used to hand-flying every brownout approach, right? We, we have our tactical profiles that we, we've used that have changed over the years, but we've, we hand-fly the aircraft through that down to the landing. And uh, one of the, the main features of the K being fly-by-wire is to, to do that uh, somewhat automatically, right? You'd be able to 
from on short final and gauge in mode that'll take you to a hover. You can be enveloped in brownout and then bring the aircraft down to a safe landing. So we're gonna start the testing for that this summer out in Yuma, Arizona. Okay. Slide. And with that, I'd be glad to take any questions that you have on HX21, TPS, or the 53K.